Yeah, it was a very small airport there at Innsbruck, Austria. And uh, as you heard on the end of last episode, I decided to uh, end the show there. The the, the fifth uh, Italia Cinque uh, episode, the fifth episode of the Italia series. Um, and then get it uploaded. I, I would rather have gotten the show done before I got home, you know, just so all the shows were released, recorded in Europe and released in Europe. Uh, so anyway, yeah, so as you heard, I, I finished up there. We were waiting for the... Uh, the counter to open up so we could drop off our luggage and get our boarding passes too, which is always good to get. You know, I really found that uh, the paper boarding passes are much much less stress than the uh, having it on your phone. Though I guess if you're not checking any luggage, it's easier to have it on your phone. I don't know. So yeah, the ticket window eventually opened. We got everything done and went through security. And you know, uh, my backpack, I, I have so much tech stuff in there. You know, I took the computer out but I saw there, like from the, uh, you, this is such a, they had a different security setup here. You could keep your shoes on. You just go through a metal detector. It's not that, that uh, uh, millimeter wave thing where you, you hold your hands up and they scan your whole body. No, just a regular metal detector like the old days. So I could actually see their x-ray on the video screen of my backpack. And it, there's so many wires in there. It looked very suspicious. But they were suspicious of something. But it turned out it's these... Uh, Go macro um, the, the the vegan food bars because uh, I guess they're very dense and on the X-ray they look like they could be anything so they they found them and they tested them with the, the, those uh, explosive test strips and found that 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 my food was not explosive then they let us go and then it's just this one little essentially one room and there's a there's a duty free shop general shop and then there's a little bar where you can get beer and stuff. Uh, but there's only like five or six gates. It's uh, and and the, you know the, you, you have to go out on the tarmac and walk over to your plane and go up go up the stairs. So we, we were waiting a while. Our our plane got delayed by by around a half hour. Um, I went I went to the shop to get some some waters for the flight and and she's like I, I need to see your boarding pass. What? I understand for like the duty free stuff they need to see that you're flying out of the EU or something, but. Just to buy just to buy a bottle of water for a couple euros, you need I need your boarding pass. But yeah, we got a few beers. One, one of them was called Null. I didn't really realize till later it was Null means zero alcohol. Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so we got a few beers and waiting. So our our plane was delayed. Now our our our, our uh, you know transfer in in Frankfurt was an hour and a half. So I figured, oh, an hour. We're gonna we're gonna have an hour. That should be enough time. Anyway, yeah, so it, it was, uh, yeah, so we, we went outside. You have to sort of walk across, yeah, walking. It was kind of surreal walking across the uh, the tarmac there. Is that what you call it, the tarmac, the pavement, uh, to the plane? That was a quick flight, like less than an hour up to Frankfurt from uh, Innsbruck. <coughs> but then we land, and I figure, okay, we have an hour. It should be okay. But this process of transferring over to the other plane was so nerve-wracking. It really was. It was wild. So first of all, we get off the plane and get on a bus. Then the bus drives like, I don't know where the hell this bus is going. It's driving like like miles around the airport. Finally, it drops us off. I'm like, wow, they they drove so far. I mean, they must be dropping us near the transfer. But then again, I know everyone's transferring to different planes. It's not one, you know, everyone's going on a different direction here. I'm hoping they dropped us off somewhere close. No, they didn't. So eventually we get off and we're in this, 
I don't know where we are, and we have to go down this elevator, and then we have to walk down this corridor that is like, it seems to be literally like a half a mile long. This corridor, and you know they have those those um, those moving those moving platforms. It's kind of like an escalator, but it's flat. They have those in airports, but of course they're all broken the way we're going, so we just have to walk it. Finally, we go up more more elevate more elevators, and then we're trying to find Section Z. Somehow we're in in Section Z. And uh, eventually we found we have to go through passport control. So this, they had like two people working and there's a huge line. I'm like, oh my God, we got a transfer here. Finally, we get through it. And then we go into this other area. You have to walk, you have to walk through another big duty-free shop. Uh, to get, and then you're down this long corridor. It was like Z1, Z2, and I, we needed to get the Z23. And then they're like, oh, you need, we need to check your passports again. There was like another passport. Oh my god! And then we get to the gate Z twenty three, and there's no one there. I'm like, my god, what happened? There's no one here. But as it turns out, the plane was already boarded, but they were still accepting people. So I'm like, oh, we made it. We made it. This is the long flight from Frankfurt to Newark, New Jersey. Frankfurt, Germany to Newark, New Jersey, USA. So we got on the plane. I was so happy. And then they were sitting there for like another another half hour at least. So we we, we, we had the I did had no idea what the heck was going on. We we couldn't relax. We couldn't buy anything. We got, we we were just it was very stressful. So then uh, this flight, uh, you know, is uh, it's weird because it it left at like five thirty ish p.m. But of course you're flying uh, to the west. So like. <coughs> um, it doesn't get dark. It just stays light because you're you're flying that way around the globe. And uh, but it was it was a kind of an oak. It was a decent. Uh, it was it, you know it was a long flight. It was uh, you know. Hold on. Yeah, the 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 letter carrier was coming. The mail person. There's always someone different. So I I was right here. So I'm like hello, but they didn't say a word. Maybe they're listening on headphones or something. Yes, Kitty. Um, Vegas, it's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. It, it felt like kind of a, like longer than the other one. I did fall asleep once or twice briefly, but um, it was an okay flight. We had our, you know, we since we had our vegan meals, we got them. We got our meals before everyone else. Um, and I was trying to watch stuff on the video screen, but they had those awful headphones. Like, I don't like those headphones with uh, those plugs that go in your ears. It kind of reminds me of those ones that used to come with uh, tape recorders back in, like, the 60s and 70s. It's like this beige thing that you just sort of jam in your ear. I don't know. That doesn't really work for me. I, I use ear – I like earbuds, you know. I'm, I'm, like, old school like that. Um, in fact, I bought new ones that are working very well right now. Very happy to be back having normal my normal my normal earbuds. Yes, yeah, so I was watching a couple different things on there. I, I actually was watching uh, just the original Star Wars movie with the sound off, just to have something to, to look at while I was eating. I tried watching a, a, an Elvis Presley movie. Um, it was uh, Viva Las Vegas, but I just wasn't in the mood for it. I mean, it's uh, and those headphones were pissing me off. They were falling on my ears every five seconds. But ultimately, I, I, I watched um, Umphrey's McGee at uh, Red Rocks. Uh, some date in 2016 or 2014 or something. Humphreys McGee is a it's a jam band, kind of in the same universe as Fish. Uh, I'm not huge into them, but it was pretty fun to watch. 
that Red Rocks uh, Stadium out in Colorado. But anyway, eventually we uh, we landed, and it was like such a it felt like such a long flight. Um, we, we arrive in Newark, New Jersey. You know, I was watching the map the whole time. How it goes up, through, it goes through England, Ireland, and then it goes up through Newfoundland and, and Nova Scotia and Maine. And we ran into some real turbulence around uh, New England. The plane was really shaking a lot. Like, <laughs> even though a few times you feel that your stomach drop kind of thing, you know, in the plane. So. It was. It just went on like that for about ten minutes. It was really. It was pretty uh, extreme. Um, but I just sat down and closed my eyes, and I didn't didn't uh, sicken me or anything. I know. I know they have those air sickness bags. I think they stow them in the bathrooms now. I guess they're not at every uh, every every seat like they used to be. I'm not sure though. I never had to use an air sickness bag to throw up in a, in a bag. Uh, anyway. Um, so we land, and it's like, oh, thankfully we're finally here, and uh, <laughs> and then we're taxiing. It's, again, it seems like it's taxiing. You know, driving the plane is driving on the ground. They call it taxiing, even though it's not like a taxi cab. But it's, it, that's the name for a taxiing, and uh, and it going and going again. Where the hell are they going? How, like how far? So anyway, eventually it stops, and everyone's like, oh, thank God we can get up. And the guy, and because there had been the, these massive thunderstorms in the area pre, uh, earlier in the day, so there were things were backed up, I guess. And the guy's like, "Yeah, sorry, uh, we're waiting for another plane to uh, to leave before we can go in." I'm like, oh no! So I really needed to use the bathroom, and I was sitting right next to the bathroom. And I went and I tried to open it, and the flight attendant was sitting there in that little that little they call it like a little jump seat. He's like, "Oh yeah, they're locked. I guess they're locked while you're taxing." Like what the hell. Like, all right. But then on on the other aisle, I saw people using a bathroom. It was unlocked. I guess one of the doors was busted and the auto lock wasn't working. So eventually, I just snuck over to the other side there and used that bathroom. <laughs> but then they unlocked the bathrooms because they figured we were sitting there for like uh, 45 minutes waiting, waiting. You know, we were so close yet so far to getting off the plane. Um, eventually, it pulled in. And then, of course, you have this maze like when you get off it's like this maze of corridors and finally they shunt you over to the uh, the passport control area which of course again there's like three people working and there's hundreds of people waiting to go uh so we got through that pretty quickly and uh then we had to wait at the baggage carousel to get our bags which again didn't take awfully long and uh, my father-in-law jack picked us up and we went home thankful and it was like oh my god it was it w- but the, when the plane landed actually at like some something around eight eight oh nine p.m. our time, but it was actually two oh nine a.m. European time that we were on. So another two oh nine. But yeah, so then like the jet lag thing starts because it's like you know you, I get we got home like nine or ten, but it's actually like four a.m. for us, you know, from being in Europe. So today is uh, that was Monday. So today is Thursday. I've, I've been doing better. I mean, I I was really I, I've been hit by the jet lag, you know. Uh, trying to just stay up later obviously you know i'm six hours ahead so uh the last couple of nights i haven't really been able to uh like the first night no it wasn't it was like uh <coughs> yesterday morning <coughs> i woke up at 4 a.m <coughs> and i couldn't get back to sleep and then 
yesterday evening, I just was hit with this wave of fatigue around 8 o'clock, and I just I laid down for a couple hours, and then, like, no, I got to stay up. So I stayed up till like, 10, 11 o'clock, and then I took a uh, one of those gummies with the... Uh, the CBD or the THC or whatever, you know, the Delta 9, whatever. I knew that would help me. So then I slept all the way through to, uh, slept all the way through to, uh, uh, 6.30 in the morning. That was good. So I'm starting to feel a little bit fatigued right now in the middle of the afternoon, but got to beat this jet lag, damn it. I know it takes a while. It's for your body to adjust. It wasn't that bad. They always say when you're going to the later time zone, it's easier, but adjusting to the earlier time zone it takes a bit longer, yeah. So you heard my cat, uh, Vegas, uh, meowing before. Yeah, it was kind of weird coming home. I mean, uh, I felt so bad leaving them because, you know, you can't communicate to them about what the situation is. But my neighbor, our neighbor Sue and Brad were taking care of, taking good care of them. Um, so on, uh, yeah, so, the, so Tuesday, uh, we really, we took the day off of Tuesday as well. And uh, the cats were very affectionate. They seemed very happy we were back. But then, kind of bad timing. Um, we have the house cleaning crew come yesterday on Wednesday, and the cats are are traumatized for some reason with all the vacuum cleaner noises and stuff. So today, last night and today, Vegas has been acting really weird. I think it's just it's going to take a while to get back to the usual uh, thing. Like he found Vegas. I think found this crawl space in the basement I never even knew existed. I don't know if he, I don't know if he's been able to get up there, but it was like he, he had to jump up onto the water boiler, the hot water heater, which is not hot on the outside, thankfully. And then up on an electrical panel, then climbing up into the ceiling. I didn't even know this existed. So I think he needed me he tricked me into like getting him up there. He started climbing into the ceiling, so I was holding on to him and it was like he was fighting me, and I, I, he cut, I, he, he like scratched my little finger. It was bleeding, but I got him before he got in there. Then I blocked the door off. I'm like, what the heck's going on? I know he's obsessed. He's he's an explorer. He he really wants to explore and find, find different spaces within the house. But this is looks extremely dangerous. And I afterwards, yeah, I I, I got a step stool and a flashlight. I looked in there. I'm like, yeah, there's a space above the ceiling in the basement here. What the hell? So that's his latest obsession, and he's uh, he wants me to un- open it up, that room up, the little closet up again. But I don't think it's a good idea. It's very dangerous. I don't want him getting stuck in the ceiling. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, it wasn't until the uh, day after we got back we started unpacking. And at the wedding, you may have heard us at the wedding a few episodes ago, the favor was this beautiful bottle, uh, like a ceramic bottle of olive oil. And uh, Denise packed it very carefully, you know, with bubble wrap and, you know, padded by all the clothes that are in there. But when we when we, when she opened up the suitcase, it had sm- the bottle had smashed apart, and there was olive oil everywhere inside the suitcase. Which kind of the hell? How do you how do you clean that if your suitcase is full of uh, olive oil? Oh my god! We're still not sure if we're going to just try and clean it or just get rid of it. It wasn't cheap. It was a it's a good suitcase, too. I'll try to clean it. They say you use baking soda. Well, you just dump a whole thing of baking soda in there and cross your fingers? I don't know how to do it. Anyway. I was thinking it probably was that turbulence that if if those bags, if the suitcases weren't really you know tied down, they're all sort of smashing into each other, and that 
that turbulence was very violent. So I think that, that may be when the olive oil uh, bottle broke. That was kind of a drag, though. Kind of a drag. But it's good to be back. It's good to be back home. Um, it's just sort of, as you heard, if you heard those episodes, the pace uh, of the activities, uh, so much. It's so We did so much stuff every day. It was intense. I really enjoyed the experience. But there's something to be said for relaxing a little bit, too. So I'm like relaxing at home and and like experiencing intense experiences on vacation. Yeah, that that sounds about right though. But um, anyway, I got the new headphones uh, from Monk Plus. Even though it was so weird, I that that set that I had it it was like the longest one of these cheapo earbuds ever lasted. It lasted for years, and they finally started failing in, in uh, I think in Venice. But I had brought a spare, right? I brought a spare pair that I also brought as a spare back in 2019. That's how long these lasted. But the spares uh, broke apart after like 24 hours of use. Then I was kind of screwed. I, 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 it's hard to find that style of earbud. Just like I, I went to that store in uh, the mall in uh, Bolzano, and I only had those damn headphones where you jam that rubber thing in your ear. That doesn't really work for me. I don't know. Maybe it's just the, my style of ear, I suppose. Anyway, so th- it's Monk. Pl- they're called Monk Plus. And so this is, I guess, a newer model. These are kind of see-through. You can sort of s- It's like brown plastic see-through. It's probably a newer model than the one I had. But they sound very good. It's, I'm just used to – I'm used to Monk Plus as, as my uh, – because, you know, when I record, I think it's better to be able to hear myself, even though I was recording a lot in Europe where I couldn't hear myself, and I'm sure I was fine as well. But I'm very happy. So I, I got three of them. I think originally they were supposed to be $5 each. They're $10 each now for each pair. But it's worth it to have backup earbuds. Don't you think? I do. Ah, good morning. It's the next day now. I was kind of out of it yesterday. I'll probably be out of it today, too, because of this jet lag. I've been using the uh, Delta 9 gummies to help me sleep through the night because I'm uh, sort of tending to wake up very early in the morning. Right, what would 7, <coughs> like 7 a.m. <coughs> Europe time, it would be like 1 a.m. our time. I know, it, I, I, know, I know it takes time to get over jet lag, but now, like in the afternoons, like around, uh, around 6 o'clock, I'm getting a, a wave of fatigue so I need to try to... Uh, the last couple of nights, I've just given in and just taken a nap, whatever. It's tough, you know? The, the, the circadian rhythms, the body's clo- interior clock, how it all works. But I'm glad I have those Delta 9 gummies that that uh, does facilitate a great, great, great amounts of, uh, of sleep, definitely. Definitely. Oh, look, it's Friday today. Friday. Nice. Yes, Vegas. Kitty, you got your treats and your second treats this morning and everything, so you're good. <laughs> Kitty. Um, anyway, yeah, there were some really nice comments on the uh, the five Italy shows, which, of course, were the five episodes bef- before this one. And, uh, you know, it, it, to me, like, uh, uh, I've, of course, been doing this for quite a while. Uh, you know, when I go on vacation, I, I record shows there. And being able to record in these different places really, I think, brings so much to the show. So I'm glad people have been listening. Uh, for example, uh, Nate in uh, Wisconsin 
uh, commented on that fifth one. I love that show art so much on Italia Cinque, the, uh, of me standing there looking down, one of those cable car things at uh, Murano 2000. Uh, Nate says, uh, Nate, this is Nate from Wisconsin. I listened to all of these, Frank. You have outdone yourself. PQ had some nice comments saying, why it's so good at the beginning of Appreciator number 39. Glad you and Denise had such a deeply satisfying trip, and thanks for sharing it. Well, thank you, uh, Nate. Let's check out what PQ had to say about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, I mean, to me, it just adds another, really, another uh, dimension to the vacation itself, right? It's, uh, it, it, it becomes all that much more uh, interesting to be able to record in these various places. Even in the frightening areas like that cable car before we realized we, 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 we could pull the bar down. That was that was such a moment. But I realized like that moment kind of represented actually something related to today's show art, which is Bindle Merritt. Um the idea of just going ahead and doing something without even without completely understanding what it is. The ability the sense right the the bindle part of Bindle Bindle Merritt comes from um the uh, the the tarot card zero, the fool, who's who has that bindle, that little bag at the end of a stick, that you often see hobos carrying in in hobo uh, I- I- images. Uh, I guess it's a way of carrying a bag that's like before they had backpacks, you could just sort of rest a stick on your shoulder, and kind of it's easier to carry it using leverage or what have you. <laughs> anyway, but it, but the the fool and his little dog too. Are about to jump off a step off a cliff, that is starting the journey. So, I thought like the that idea of like uh, taking a leap of faith without really knowing what you're doing, and then figuring it out afterwards, kind of in that realm of stuff. But let's see what PQ had to say here. I did listen to this already. It's very nice. Thank you, PQ. So everyone can hear this. This is from the Appreciator number thirty nine, from uh, September sixth, twenty twenty three. PQ River. Oh, man, the appreciator's back. And have you been checking out Frank Nora's Italy trip? This is just deliciousness of Venice. And and it's like, well, without the visual component, which I don't know, hearing the description and the way Frank can just share his experience verbally is very magical. It's right up there and a lot less cynical, per se. Uh, Gene Shepard did a lot of travel shows where he would go all over. But his live, like the recordings he would bring back, it, it was more like they couldn't find ever what he was actually looking for because he was never that organized or his engineers were just lost with his mislabeled crazy tapes. But Frank really does bring us right there. And Denise, Denise is sainted for putting up with walking around with a narrator uh, through her vacations and trips. And that wedding, Lord, that now that's a wedding, a small town in Italy, old school, the, the hours and hours. And no, you don't really hear the hours and hours, but you feel the experience through the way Frank relates it. And if for some reason you've been shying away because some of the episodes are a little long. Shy not. This is incredible audio gold. 
that is right there for nothing. And Frank, uh, um, thank you for these amazing shows. And yes, Shambles just keeps going also with his wonderful, nostalgic look at the early William Hartnell Doctor Who episode. So there you go. Thank you so much, PQ, for those kind words. And uh... Oh, yeah, Nate also commented on this. Uh, Amen to your description of Frank's Italy episode. So thanks so much for checking them out. Uh, I really thought, and and I'm still processing that whole vacation, as you might imagine, because it was uh, two weeks of uh, intense, intense experiences, which I had planned for two months prior. And all that planning really... Really did really did pay off on the trip. Uh, things things I think ultimately went uh, quite smoothly because I had planned out so much, and um, but also not just because I planned out so much. There was clearly clearly some sort of uh, kind intervention in terms of uh, situations and weather and things like that. That kind of I don't know. It felt a little bit just like that moment when I got room two hundred nine at the vegan hotel, and then that little feather fall fell. It did seem like there was we were getting some some help to make the trip that much better, but as far as the nature of that help, I don't know. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about it in terms of it does feel like there was something going on, but it's very hard to figure out what. But I did realize that at some times, like when I was in in these places that were unfamiliar to me with all these people and stuff, that. I know it sounds a bit self-serving, but when I whipped out my recorder and just pressed record, it opened this sort of channel into the future that kind of, in a way, everyone else, their the records of their activities may or may have been completely wiped out, but maybe that channel the with the intention of preserving the audio into the future is the only thing that existed from those particular moments. It's just something that crossed my mind. I know it, it, it just, you know, it's just weird. It's just sort of like a technology, this audio recording technology using digital, which really uh, only became available a few decades ago, really is kind of a magical thing to be able to do that. But, of course, most people don't do it, which is why those few that do maybe in the future are paid more attention to. We shall see. We shall see. But yeah, let's take a look at uh, today's show art entitled Bindle Merit. And uh, wow, there's a lot going on here. Um, so first of all, the title, Bindle Merit. Um, Bindle, as I mentioned, is uh, the stick held by the young man on the tarot card, the fool. Right. And uh, it represents kind of uh, the beginning of the adventure of the narrative, stepping off the cliff into whatever awaits you. Um, there's even a tarot deck called After Tarot, I think, where they, they show what happens moments later in each card. And, of course, the dog and the young man are, have fallen off the cliff. Um, but a merit, of course, is uh, related to the Joker, right? So you have tarot cards, uh, and then you have playing cards, which, of course, are, I think, descended from tarot cards. The playing cards have these jokers, then, and they're also a cards that sort of exist outside of the normal rules of the deck. 
Right. Kind of like Tom Bombadil in The Lord of the Rings. He's a character that sort of exists outside of the scheme of things in the world. No one knows quite where he fits in the scheme of things. He is sort of like a joker, a wild card, right? <coughs> um, so I, I just, a long time ago, I, I sort of realized that the fool and the joker, which the joker is definitely, I think, influenced by the fool, they both have sticks that they carry, right? So the merit is the the joker, think of like a jester with the three-cone cap and holding a stick on which the top of the stick is is a little a copy of the, of the joker's own head and the headgear, right? And, uh, <coughs> um, yeah, somehow that became kind of the symbol of the Joker or the Jester is, is that stick re- reproducing his head, which is very strange. So there's two different sticks from the, the outside, those outsider cards. So uh, Bindle Marit, and is it pronounced Marit? I don't know. I think in French it's Marit. So I think in English I can say Marit. Bindle is B-I-N-D-L-E. And Marit is M-A-R-O-T-T-E. So, um, but it does kind of represent uh, those forces of uh, sort of being outside the system, going on a journey, things like that. Which I feel are sort of, like a lot of this stuff is very intuitive for me and very uh, subconscious. But the show art for today's episode is is uh, one of my grandmother's paintings. So my mother's mother, Evelyn Saffenfield, of who I have very little recordings, just a few. You hear her on the, the Complete Polarized Worlds uh, a little bit. You can see her too in, in that video. Um, she was a painter. She did oil paintings. And um, we, in our, in my extensive search of the house, my parents' house, I did wind up finding tons of her uh, artwork, which, of which I took everything I could. There were framed pieces, but then also there was a, ba- there was a bag full of uh, just the canvases. That was in pretty good shape, so I took that. I have that. Um, then, there was a, then there was a bag of her paintings of a handful of them that had a, a extreme water damage. And uh, so I opted to, I took those out on the porch and I, I took uh, pictures of each one but I did not take it. it. That's dumpster bound. I'm sure it's the damage is so extensive. It's still moist and wet. How, who knows how many years ago it was water damaged. But I, I did take pictures with my phone, so I have a reference of all of them. And that's what we have here. here <coughs> excuse me, is a a painting that I thought had a lot of uh, symbolic content. So this is the painting. Is uh, let me open up the. Uh, the high res version here. Um, it is of this. Uh, this it looks like a little boy ice skating on a on a pond, right? <coughs> and uh, there's a little sleigh or sled in the distance. And some trees in the winter, and then some mountains also in the distance. I know my grandmother was very influenced by the mountains out there in, in the Rocky Mountains. They're in the Bitterroot Valley. She was living in Darby, Montana, in the Bitterroot Valley. They're in western Montana. And uh, in this case, um, the right half of the uh, of the image was subject to the water damage and is all brown and black with God only knows what kind of mold or mildew was growing on there. But it's it almost sort of feels a bit like that fool card where 
the fool is just walking along un- unexpectedly, not even noticing there's a cliff ahead, and just sort of falls off and begins the journey. In this case, this little kid is carefree and uh, skating on this frozen pond, not seeing that half of the world he lives in here has been corrupted and destroyed uh, th- from the water damage. And it does feel connected to that. <coughs> so um, I-, I think that's quite a powerful image in terms of what it means, you know, like the idea of being care- not being aware of the corruption or danger nearby uh, is you know is is a theme that I think is very powerful. But so I I had kind of I was looking at the pictures from the trip and I'm like listen I don't want to use any more trip pictures I want to you know with the trip thing let's just go back to quote unquote normal artwork and uh, so I chose this one and Bindle married and then uh, what was the font I chose for that that was actually a really cool font it was from. Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you in a second. I think I have it here. Do I have it here? I don't know where I have it. <laughs> Hold on a second. Yeah, the font was uh, Opti Marcus Roman. So, Marcus Roman, name of the font. But anyway, <laughs> uh, when I finally did it, and then I looked at it in the context of the show art for the it- Italy trips, it instantly looked almost like a mirror image of uh, the show art for Italia Trey in a way, uh, which I was like so surprised at. If you look at Italia Trey, that's me on Burano Island there in Venice. And I'm standing next to this this wall that is brown and mottled, not unlike the corrupt section of the uh, of the ice skating painting. And I am there sort of walking on this surface, very similar to the character walking... A skating, and I'm also not in the water, but the water, if you look at, and this is just a picture uh, Denise uh, took of me, my wife Denise took of me as, as from the distance, and I thought it was so powerful and had so much kind of, it had that, that, that street light in there. But if you look at it, like, if you look at my body there, like my, my feet are on the ground, and then there's, just from the perspective, the, the water is like in the midsection of my body, and then um, and the upper section of my body is 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 the next landmass, and then my head is uh, up above the tree line in the sky on the next landmass. So it's you know it's similar, so similar. And I didn't even think of it honestly. I know it it looks like it must be deliberate, but it's not. Um, then Italia Quattro, the fourth one, just shows me there standing on the doorstep of the house my grandfather was born in and grew up in, uh, which was uh, utterly amazing. But then the final uh, episode is Cinque uh, has me... Denise noticed a good shot as I was standing there. It was at the uh, the final cable car at Murano 2000, looking down, and then I am actually sort of above the, my, you know, uh, the mountain's and there are those mountains sort of in that pic- in, in the number three picture as well. So it's sort of like this implying sort of ascending up. Uh, and then I am at the top looking down. Um, it just feels like such interesting uh, symbolism that was not intentional, really. But uh, maybe, th- maybe the best symbolism is not intentional. Uh, but just, just how simil- the similarities of this image 
And what does it all mean? Uh, I don't know. I don't know that there's a grand meaning. I think that, um, but in a way, right, the idea of the bindle especially is that you're going on a journey, but you don't know where you're going. So similar, this is symbolic imagery coming from somewhere, but I just don't know what it is. Um, and the merit side of things, I think, is sort of uh, being a clown, being a, a joker, a jester, um, which is certainly an aspect of the shows that I do here, sort of, uh, rather than just exploring, I'm also sort of performing like a jester would. I know this is all awfully uh, awfully vague, but I thought it was very interesting. I, I had that Bindle Merit. I like it with the... So it's Bindle slash Merit, which I was very deliberate there. Um, but I don't think anyone else has sort of made that connection of the two sticks of the outside cards and stuff. But anyway, that's the uh, story. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought that was a great image. And just what is the corruption? I mean, I know I've talked about a concept which is how um, the world that we're living in here, right, that we have a capacity to uh, jump timelines. That is, for example, let's say, like recently in history, here in 2023, there's been uh, suggestions of a renewed uh, danger of a nuclear war. And I did, I have felt and I have talked about how I feel like some of the timelines do, uh, in fact, a, a, a nuclear war does manifest. And of course, living near New York City, a full scale thermonuclear war uh, would not, we would not survive here, being only about 12 miles from, from Manhattan. Like the Manhattan Project connections? Anyway, uh, no. Um, but uh, the idea that if there is a nuclear war, that a number of timelines are wiped out and they're no good anymore to live in on a day-to-day -day basis, obviously, because everything's, everything's nuked to hell, basically. The idea is that you can jump to the timeline that didn't get nuked, right? But the question is, between nuking and other sorts of worldwide disasters, you know, how many uh, good timelines are left? Maybe it's less and less every time, in fact. That really strange experience I had in, in 2009, uh, where starting in later, in the fall of 2008, I really felt that it was already 2009, and my ultimate theory was that there was a big one of these issues, not quite a nuclear war, but perhaps a nuclear, uh, an, um, you know, this concept that you could sort of set off a nuke in the Atlantic and cause a, a huge tidal wave to wipe out the east coast of the U.S., this is just complete speculation, but that that happened in, in 2009, perhaps around May, and that um, it wasn't so easy to get around it. It was one of those events that was uh, most timelines uh, may have uh, uh, experienced that event. And it took, again, I am not aware of the technique used. The idea is that at this level, the knowledge of that wouldn't be available. It's at the next level up, the, the higher self or whatever that would have that capacity. But that it was it took many, many, many attempts to find a timeline that of that sidestepped that particular event. Um, so, anyway, that that's something that 
that is what that corruption could represent, you know, sort of this what pleases the observer concept where uh, there's many timelines that do not please the observer and trying to find uh, the way th the way through perhaps is difficult. Though that sort of implies a system beyond the observer's control. <coughs> Levels of the observer. I know, I know the implication is that the observer is just the mind of God and that we're all just aspects of the mind of God. But we don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Anyway, just some very interesting stuff. As I said, I do feel, it did feel like there was, uh, you know, on the trip, I think there was factors involved that I don't understand. But it was pretty groovy, though, to be involved with such factors <laughs> as if I was. Bindle Merritt. I like the. That sounds like a cool. That like like a cool company too. Bindle Merritt. Bindle Merritt Industries. There you go. It's a little later now. So uh, in other news, uh, was it the other day? I had a strong urge to watch the movie Moonraker from 1979. That is uh, the James Bond film with Roger Moore. That that partially takes place in space. James Bond in space. And this I would attribute to... I don't remember exactly what it was that kind of inspired me to think about it. A phrase, moon, rake, raker, something like that. But I think, I think we can ascribe this to truly a subconscious um, kind of uh, response. Or because... There's so many things in this movie that relate to my trip. Now, I have seen this movie in the past. In fact, in 1979, I recall we saw it in a movie theater. And uh, because it was, we all, everyone loved James Bond, of course, and it was in space. So, of course, what could be, what could be better than that? Um, yeah, so in this movie, I'm, I'm sort of almost like halfway done with it. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, it stars uh, James Bond along with... Uh, Holly Goodhead, you know, sort of like a pussy galore type name, Holly Goodhead, an American agent and scientist. But yeah, there's a part in the movie uh, that takes place in uh, in Venice. So I actually recognized a lot of the stuff that had just been there, you know, uh, St. Mark's Square and stuff. And then they go to Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, and there's a whole thing on a cable car, right? <coughs> so... I'm sure I must have seen this several more times since uh, 79, I would imagine, though watching it now, none of it really is quite, other than flashes of memory, none of it is quite that familiar to me. But then I just got to the scene, you know, Richard Keel uh, playing Jaws, the, uh, the, the assassin who's very, he's like a giant and he has those metal teeth. Um, the scene just here, and I remember when I went to that, um, remember in 2014 when I went to the VR conference, we went, me and uh, Martin went to this uh, comic convention in San Jose, and Richard Keel was there apparently, but I think I saw him from a distance. Uh, this scene where uh, Richard Keel as Jaws meets a dolly, <coughs> um, this, this, uh, this woman with uh, blonde hair and, and braids, they sort of fall in love, and there's this moment that is a huge Mandela effect, right? 
Jaws smiles with his teeth. And then, of course, Dolly smiles and has braces on, right? I absolutely remember that. But now, Dolly, the character with the glasses and the <coughs> and the braids, does not have braces. It completely would have made sense for her to have braces because she's sort of the love interest now of Jaws and this humorous uh, subplot. And then, of course, later in the movie, uh, since they both wear glasses, you know, and Drax wants only the perfect people, he gets Jaws, I think, to turn against Drax. Spoiler alert for Moonraker from 1979. But anyway, uh, <coughs> uh, this is a huge Mandela effect, as everyone remembered her wearing braces. And again, it would have made complete sense for the character to have braces because she's sort of similar to Jaws in some ways. Um, but she doesn't wear, she her teeth have no braces. Let me see what people say about this, because this is really quite... And I, I had completely forgotten about this uh, this thing. Dolly had braces. <clears throat> Let's see. Mandela Effect Wiki. Dolly's braces is an example of the Mandela Effect from the 1979 James Bond film Moonraker. This Mandela Effect is one of the biggest debates in the Mandela Effect community. Many remember Dolly having glasses pigtails, and braces. However, people were shocked to find out after re-watching the scene she had no braces despite some James Bond fans claiming she did. So, they're saying there's there's possible explanations for this and that, but I, I mean, uh, uh, I, I would have definitely thought that she had the braces. Um, so weird, right? The idea that uh, all of us who saw the movie and remember the braces, <laughs> obviously we could be misremembering it or reality may have uh, shifted. That is, uh, there was one reality where she didn't have braces, one where she did, and two, those two realities merged. And the <clears throat> that version of the movie became, uh, you know, manifest in this rea- in this merged reality. And also, as you may remember, uh, the Bernstein or Bernstein bear controversy. I did find a, a book of Bernstein bears in the attic. I, of course, thought it was S-T-E-I-N. And, of course, now everywhere you look, even a book that's been in an attic, S-T-A-I-N. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not like someone's coming around to everyone's house and changing the letters. It's just, um, right, different versions of a reality. For example... Imagine two parallel timelines or, or, or worlds that are merged together that have these these little differences. And in each case of each difference, one or the other uh, stays and the other version goes in the merged reality. Obviously, you can't have a movie with and without the braces. So one of the two is going to, um, <clears throat> it's going to sort of collapse uh, in the merged reality. This is all very, very speculative and fringe uh, theories, but... Um, other possible Mandela effects? What? Many state that Dolly also wore black frame glasses in the scene. Many people remember Dolly's name being Grolly. Many have stated that her facial structure had changed and she had become more over-sexualized. People claim that there was a scene where Dolly and Jaws kisses and the braces get stuck in Jaws' teeth. So, Yeah. There's a flash on her lips? Well, I don't know. 
anyway, <laughs> it was uh, interesting to be watching Moonraker. And of course, I always think of that, how Roger Moore, there's that song, one. let me just find the Clash One Emotion. I, I, I want to make sure that this is the right thing. That Roger Moore as James Bond always just looks kind of like he's uh, sort of slightly bemused by everything. This is one emotion. Let's see. So this is the song, and then we'll see if we can find the explanation. <clears throat> A critique of Roger Moore's acting, perhaps. Yes. In an interview on Clash on Broadway, the interviews, Joe Strummer explains how he and Mick Jones wrote this song while staying in a hotel in Kingston, Jamaica. They were watching a James Bond filmed on television, and Mick Jones noted Roger Moore's acting ability. This guy's only got one emotion. <coughs> Other things. Joe Strummer, the phrase one emotion came from when we were watching Roger Moore. I think it might have been reruns of The Saint. It struck me how one-dimensional he was. Mick Jones, I think it was Roger Moore in a really bad James Bond film. One emotion was done at Basing Street Studios. So, <clears throat> I do notice that. He just always has this sort of bemused expression no matter what he's doing. It's Roger Moore for you. All right, it's a little later now. I'm on the porch smoking a pipe. Pipe tobacco, that is. And, um, yeah, as you may have heard, I, I, I started watching One Piece on the vacation. Netflix, the uh, live-action adaptation of the One Piece anime. In fact, I saw a huge uh, billboard for it on the way out of Venice on the train. A big billboard for the live-action One Piece so One Piece is a uh, Japanese manga, an anime, uh, that I did watch quite a while ago. I watched like the first, actually the first 209 episodes, and then I stopped in a, a filler arc. The filler arcs are hard to take. Those are when the TV animation producers have to come up with their own content because there's not enough manga content. So it tends to be a little bit less fun. But, um, yeah, so these are all, I believe they call them shonen manga um, the big three for a long time were One Piece, Bleach, and Naruto and uh, I've watched all of them except like I've, I'm, I completely watched uh, Naruto and Naruto Shippuden and part, I started with Boruto, I saw all of Bleach and I'm currently watching the new Bleach, Thousand Year Blood War and One Piece I have sort of as I mentioned I sort of fell off on but I do enjoy the genre and uh, it's also something I, I started watching Fairy Tale and also um, Eden Zero. Both those are by the same guy. And they all sort of have the same, uh, somewhat same story. They're, they're all basically like superhero stories. There's a bunch of people that have different superpowers, right? In uh, Bleach, they're uh, Shinigami or Death Gods. And in. Naruto, they're, they're ninjas that each each clan has their own powers. And in One Piece, they're pirates. And each of them has uh, 
there's this devil fruit that if you eat it, you gain superpowers like a superhero. And usually, the main character is is a sort of a young man who's very is a, is a little bit dimwitted in a way, uh, but very but very big hearted and idealistic. So, Luffy, of course, in One Piece, totally fits the bill. And Naruto again, uh, also is sort of a similar character. I suppose uh, Ichigo in uh, in Bleach is a little bit of a different character. He's a little more. Um, serious and 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 not so uh jolly as some of the other ones but of course uh, shiki in in uh, eden zero recently also has that same kind of thing so it's like it's sort of like a a trope a story type i say of all of them i think uh, naruto is or naruto naruto uh, is is the best one piece is a little more surreal a little more cartoonish but it's also good and so when I heard that uh, Netflix was making a live-action adaptation, I thought it was interesting, and I watched all eight episodes of the first season. And it's kind of like you know when you get into some of the anime or the manga, the whole idea is that you know when you start off, you you, you it, for a lot of them you could expect hundreds and hundreds, if not in the case now of One Piece, there's over a thousand episodes of, of the animation now. So it all it feels like a huge amount of content, which eight episodes and then we got to wait a year or two for the next season if they don't cancel it i, I know they said they renewed it but the uh, these uh, streaming channels have been unrenewing things right just like uh, what was the peripheral i was talking about recently it was renewed and then it was unrenewed so but anyway um so the live action adaptation of one piece right is uh to me it's a mixed bag so, first and foremost, the live-action adaptation of the characters and the world of One Piece, which is a world of pirates, right, is uh, fantastic. Uh, the, the way they implemented it in live-action, the casting, the designs, the costumes, everything. Uh, I mean, the guy that got to play Luffy, perfect. Everyone is very much perfect in this. Really well done. Uh, the casting it's a, it's a huge success probably you know the greatest of these i haven't seen all of the live action adaptations of anime but again it sort of adds a question it was very well implemented but is it necessary you know i sort of feel like i enjoyed watching it having seen a lot of the anime and um was really marveled at how they adapted it for live action but at the same time uh, if I had just to judge it on an eight-episode uh, se- season arc, um, I don't know. It feels a bit weak in terms of uh, like if someone had not seen the anime, what would they get out of it? It is an interesting world they've created, but I don't know. There's just something off about it in terms of, you know, it's, it's really not needed because you can just watch the anime and uh, there's something I don't know, I, I really can't put my finger on what exactly is kind of wrong with this this one I think it's, they're jamming there's there's a, so much backstory, like they're showing each character as a child and how they became this way and that much flashbacks I feel, uh, it, and I don't really recall if the anime did it that much um, or the manga did it that much uh 
Ooh, I'm getting an Amazon delivery? I think so. Yes. Hey, thank you. But yeah, I think that part of it where it seemed, I, I really felt it was unnecessary. Like, to get to know the characters by seeing how they became the way they were. Luffy and Zoro, Usopp, uh, Sanji, and uh, Nami, the main characters. Unfortunately, Chopper was not in this, this season. He's a little anthropomorphic deer guy. They say they're going to try to bring him into season two. Ooh, the Amazon Prime truck is backing up. Very futuristic-looking vehicle. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I, it felt very heavy-handed with all the flashbacks. I think they should... I, I mean, honestly, I don't think they needed any of those flashbacks, Right. It, it felt really over, oh, that I think is what ruined it or partially ruined it I, I think it was watchable but um, like who cares about the backstories you'll find out later you just want to see the action and see what these characters doing it almost feels like they must seem to be like uh, you know worrying that oh people won't understand what's going on if we don't see what happened when they were children no I don't think it's really necessary Um, so it was partially successful but it, it felt kind of empty in the end uh, so unfortunately another show I've been watching is Ahsoka on Disney Plus it's the latest Star Wars live action TV show I think I talked about it a little bit I'm caught up with it I think five episodes I've seen now this is actually a bit surprising because it uh, it does not fall into the same traps that uh Mandalorian and Obi-Wan and uh, and Boba Fett fell into it. Those I all felt were extremely flawed. This one though similar, they've adopted a a more I'm trying to think the word for it. A slower pace and a more sort of opaque dialogue system. So it, it feels more like older Star Wars movies and there's a sort of a formality and a, and a uh a structure to the the way it's being directed, right? And it's not, uh, it just, it's hard to describe it, but it's this slow pace, and the, people describe the acting as wooden, but I feel like it's sort of deliberately uh, giving it this sort of uh, slow-paced B-movie kind of vibe, which is what Star Wars was originally based on, the old serials from the 1930s uh, uh, around. Whatever they did, I, I understand some people don't like it, but I think it's fantastic and fits Star Wars so well, bringing it back more to the sort of the B-movie roots. Um, I mean, the actual plot is kind of silly and kind of pointless, but I really do like the characters, and I really do like what they've been doing, and, you know, there's a lot of Anakin in, in the latest episode at all different levels. Live-action Anakin, you know. They sort of de-age uh, Hayden Christensen and, and show him at all phases and show him as Vader and stuff, you know. So I'm quite pleasantly surprised that Ahsoka is actually quite good, which as I'm sort of – I've been uh, – because how much Star Wars means to me, I sort of feel like I'm forced to watch all of the live-action stuff at least. I don't watch all the cartoons. 
but and I've I've been sort of struggling to watch these horrible TV shows, but this one is a lot better. And of course, Andor as well was quite good. Uh, so they've you know they've been having some successes in the midst of a lot of failures. Uh, and you know he hasn't appeared yet, but obviously Thrawn is going to be in. You know he was he has been uh, has not been represented in live action yet. He was a big character in those uh, books. You know, was it Timothy Zahn books? Heir to the Empire and all those books. Which was supposed to be the official continuation of the trilogy. Right? Episodes uh, 7, 8, and 9. But of course, what actually became 7, 8, and 9 bore little resemblance to that. And Mara Jade is nowhere to be seen in any of this stuff. She's, I guess she's been completely retconned. She was Luke Skywalker's wife, for God's sakes, wasn't she? At one point? I don't know. Anyway. That's actually pretty good, but again, I wouldn't recommend it to non-Star Wars fans. In other, in other news, if you're into the monkeys, the, uh, <clears throat> the band, uh, there's, these, there's this company called Beatland Books. And they released these uh, very limited edition monkeys books. <coughs> and um, a few years ago, I got this book called The Monkeys, The Day-by-Day Story by a- Andrew Sandoval. And um, it's this huge book that uh, um, basically it's 740 pages. This is apparently the second edition. And it lists every day of when the monkeys were active and what they did on every single day. It is an amazing book. I bought a copy years ago, and it was literally a friend of ours was asking us about it. Oh, where'd you get that? It was literally completely uh, unavailable anywhere. You only can get it from a pre-order, and then they just print to satisfy the pre-order. Now they have uh, reissued it as a second printing, um, beat beatlandbooks.com b-e-a-t-l-a-n-d-b-o-o-k-s.com beatlandbooks.com and you can pre-order it for 100 and the regular price will be 125 so I don't know if they're going to keep this in print but if you're a Monkeys fan it really is sort of the ultimate Monkeys book and then they also have just announced a book called uh, I'm Told I Had a Good Time which is about it's, it's a Mickey Dolan's uh, book one of the members of the Monkeys and uh Let's see if they have any information about it. Apparently, it's it's uh, from his personal archives. Is there any? Uh, yeah, there's all these different editions, but I ordered one, the flexi bound edition, the cheapest one. Um, Seventy five pre order price, regularly a hundred. So it's, it's yeah it's the Mickey Dolan's archive so all of his personal photos and records and stuff so anyway this is all very limited edition so if you're into the monkeys you might want to check this out but it's good stuff this is like uh, you know big news in the monkeys fandom world all right later on once again continuing this pipe. You know, you can pause and continue a pipe, you know. Just like a cigar. So I was reading about Austria. I don't know if I mentioned this on one of the episodes, but 
because uh, in Austria they they speak German just like in Germany. So I was wondering how do, how do Germans view Austrians, you know? And one person said that's sort of like the relationship of the the United States to Canada, right? It's a, a much uh, smaller population, speaks the same language, and uh, so sort of uh, Austria is Germany's Canada. <laughs> that's kind of interesting. Yeah, only like nine nine million people in the whole country. Definitely an interesting place. But I only we only saw a little bit of Austria. You know, there's a lot more of Austria going on. But yeah, it is good to be back home. You know, I really I really did like Italy and and uh, the little bit of Germany and Austria that we saw. Very cool place, amazing places. But I don't know. I don't know, I don't know that I would want to move there. You know. Though theoretically, my grandfather being from Italy, there's a theoretically I could get a dual citizenship or something. I know I'm, my cousin was telling me about it years ago. I never really looked into it. It's just one of those things, you know. Is that important? I know. I know. People are always saying, "Well, what happens if you know if the U.S. kind of like devolves into some sort of civil war?" Yada yada. You'd have sort of a backup plan. Go live in a. Another land, you know. Who knows if that one's going to remain stable either. I don't know. I guess being in a in another land like that just makes me even more curious for the additional f- foreign lands out there. Other dimensions and stuff. We don't know for sure they exist, but I suspect they do nearby worlds that would be similar yet very different tourism to other worlds when is that going to become available sure it already is for some people I wonder though It'd be a lot to absorb, a lot to think about if they ever announced that there were other worlds out there. Who knows? Maybe they will one day. Anyways, with that, I'd like to say thank you so much for patching in to this episode of The Overnightscape. I'm your host, Frank Edward Nora. We're here in Onsug Radio, broadcasting from inside a book. Yes, whoever heard of a radio station broadcasting from inside a book? It's very unique. We're the only one that exists as far as I know. Yeah, just go to onsug.com uh, if you're if you're anywhere in the near future, and uh, to get all the latest shows, all the latest news, and links to the full archive on the Internet Archive, and you can buy a copy of the book, print, or you can download the PDF for free. And I update the PDF every month, but there's also a PDF of the book as it was published in 2021, two years ago. Uh, yeah, we have over 14,000 hours of content. And uh, we, we're, we're a non-commercial project. It's, it's, it's rather novel these days when everyone is has to monetize everything. So, what, so what's the idea? That you monetize it so that you can make money to then do the things you like. Well, this is what I like to do, you know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm cutting out the whole money thing. I'm just doing it without any money involved. Well, because the infrastructural aspects allow us to do it very, very cheaply. How? It's an amazing process known as keep your day job. Yes. 
Keep your day job, don't give it away. It's a good Grateful Dead song. Good advice, too. Keep your day job till your night job pays. It's very hard to be, make money being creative in this world, doesn't it? Listen, we have a very unique style, and we're very focused on preserving our shows on into the near and far future. So a lot of ways this project, which is known as OnSug Radio, so if you're into further future, OnSug Radio, that's O-N-S-U-G space R-A-D-I-O, OnSug Radio is like the name of the project uh, moving forward, you know. And it's going to all be encased in one book, be it an actual physical book or a virtual object of a book. That's the idea at least. Yeah, and uh, your voice can be in this archive. Just check out a show called Overnightscape Central, a new topic each week put out by Mr. PQ Ribber. This week's topic is, is, is the question that PQ poses, is the Central outmoded? No, my answer is no, it's not outmoded. It's still very vital. What an amazing show. If you look, if you look at the total history of that show, just that one show, it is an amazing universe of audio unto itself, and it itself is one piece of the puzzle that is Ansug Radio. So, uh, yeah, to participate, just check out the latest episode. You'll get all the information you need. And then your voice will be in this archive because, you know, I don't know how much stuff is going to be carried (coughs) forward (coughs) into the far future. But I think that because it's our intent and we're working hard to prepare things so that it will be preserved into the future, we may be more likely to be preserved than things where uh, people that really aren't don't care about being preserved in the future. Many people don't care about what's going on in the future. Future is a big place, especially if you consider branching timelines and stuff. There could potentially be an infinite number of people on an infinite number of timelines listening to what I'm saying right now. Not too much pressure, jeez. Anyways, now we're going to shift over to uh, it's more like a cable car of the mental soul. A cosmic canal, so to speak. Here it is. You know what? You love it. And now you got it. The other side. Do I need a refill? Looks like you need a hog. A hog? 46 ounces of Coke in a plastic cup. You see, two 22-ounce McDonald's cups adds up to only 44. And at about 70 cents a piece, that's $1.40. The hog is only 99 cents. That's more for less. The hog's far. And big. Oh, don't say big. You're the boss. Now you're talking.
because there isn't any game he hasn't played. He's beat the best, he scorns the rest, he's Mr. Arcade. I want to play Alien Attack. I know. That's Coleco's new Alien Attack. Play it once and you'll be back. Aliens attack from every side. You feel that there's no place to hide. They swallow you up. They blast away. You gotta shoot and run to stay in play. I like Alien Attack. Take it home. Alien Attack from Coleco. The arcade game you can take home with you.
This is one hot mouse. He's Pop Flamer, spewing flames on the pursuing monsters, popping balloons to replenish the fuel, especially the laughing balloons, since they give him the power to shoot further. Drinking the power drink, he changes to Super Mouse, swallowing all monsters in pursuit. Little frogs don't hurt, but they are a nuisance to be dealt with, and the electroshock thrown out by the dragon is definitely to be avoided. Pop Flamer is one hot game. Halloween, so don't just sit around and start feeling sorry for yourself. Get into the spirit. Get out there and do something. 
and parents, if you're sending your kids out trick-or-treating tonight, make sure they're wearing bright clothing and reflective colors. This has been a public service announcement. Shit, man. Uh, what a party. <laughs> Four kegs cut off. Oh. Drink all five, that. like it's seven or something. What you had. How many people are out there? No, wait a minute. There were only four for everyone, and you drank five by yourself. No. Yeah, right. You did. It was five at five o'clock, and now there's four. And it's Halloween four. always like this. Four. Yeah, especially Halloween night. It gets really dark. Usually does the time. Well, it's, it's, and the mystery. It's always, there's always like, like an aura. Yeah, you know, you know, it's doing around here when it gets rainy and it's uh-huh. musty and it's moving around. You get that really weird smurf music, like smurf, 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 as it were. Midnight. Gotta go. Happy Halloween. No. No. I could. I could. I could. No. No, I don't think so. Well, those weirdos run around loose, you know, every day. Especially on Halloween. No, yeah, Halloween night. I, I saw him somewhere. I think I think maybe the satanic music of Smirsh must have called satanic. him out. That's yeah. Right. Did you hear him? They were singing. Are you ready to fall?
Was Moses Brown, Moses Heaps, and Moses DeWitt bringing you Baby Lemonade? That was the most fun I've ever had singing and playing that song. Thank you, everyone out in New Year's land. We only had fun in this band. Okay, okay. Two things before we before we shout out this person. What? I want to shout out. Oh my God! Everybody at Sirius XM, thank you. You guys. Wait, is she gonna name her kid Baby Lemonade? No, it's the next song. I have an idea. The next song. Okay, so everybody at SiriusXM, thank you so much. Oh, yes, on pineapple. Yes, pineapple on pizza. I'm here Everybody at SiriusXM, Fish Radio. Thank you guys so much. And everybody listening on Sirius, yes. thank you so much to they, all of they you did as this. well. You thank guys, you guys. guys thank, thank you for, for, for making this possible. Fish Radio paid you listen, right? Avidly. Now, what Fish was getting at is that Michelle Pacifici. Pacificy? Pacifici? She's rather Pacificy. 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 C. Yeah, I think it's Pacificy. Pacificy. Birth. Heroic. Pacificy. Which is just amazing. And she is. I'm giving birth currently, right now, while eating a quarter pounder with cheese. And I am going to name the kiddo after whichever song you play next. Also, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Mike, pineapple on pizza? Yes. Absolutely. How about this? for a, This is a good name. This is an actual name. So they, pizza face. <laughs> pizza This is pizza shit. Where did that... I forgot about... Like, Jesus Christ, that's like it's some It's a old, real person. Where did that come from? <laughs> that was a real person. <laughs> it's a long story, but let's play it. Oh, God. I just remembered it. You can't tell that story. No, no. Let's play a song. <laughs> Quick, play a song. Before We're talking ourselves into a corner here. <laughs> that was you. A big, bad corner. That was your fault. Of reality. <laughs>
it's all we can say is that it's real. Uh, <laughs> oh. That is a good name. It's certainly a good nickname. <laughs> okay, Michelle. name could work for any child.
Okay, everyone, um, why don't you give a warm round of applause for a new comedian we have here, Nolan Rodriguez. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks. You're too kind. No, really, it's you. It's you. Thank you. So, how are we doing today? Good? Bad? In between? That's great. Thanks. Thank you. Um, so, just the other day, me and uh, my friend Bob were talking. He was like, hey, Nolan. You know, because that's my name. He's like, hey, Nolan. I was like, yeah, Bob. Just, uh, you know, because that's my name. I was like, yeah, Bob. He was just like, how come every time, how come every time I walk, take a walk in the park, a bird always takes a poo on my on my shoulder? And then I was just like, that only happens to you. Nobody? Nobody? Okay. So, you know when you're riding your bike? You know, I always ride my bike. The other day I was riding my bike. And I was thinking. I was thinking everybody thinks this when they're riding their bike. What would happen right now when I was riding my bike? If a plane crashed on me, you know what I'm saying? Everybody thinks that. Nobody? Nobody? Okay. So the other day, I was uh, at the mall with uh, my friend Jill. We were sitting by uh, a fountain um, in the center by the food court you know, outside of the JCPenney. No, no. Well, it was a JCPenney. It was. Well, there was a sale. And we were sitting by the fountain. Right outside the JCPenney. By the food court. And I was just like to Jill. I was just like, hey Jill. You know, because that's her name. Hey Jill. How are you today? She's like, I'm, I'm good, Nolan. Cause that's my name. I'm good, Nolan. Then I said to her, hey, Jill, <sighs> Bob was telling me about this thing. He said, every time he walks in the park, it always seems to poo, a bird seems to poo on his shoulder. And she says, you know, that only happens to him. <laughs> Nobody, hey, okay, Nobody. All right, well, I, I got this new one for you right here. Okay. I was at the I was at the other day I was at the chair store where they sell chairs and um I was just thinking instead of chairs what if they sold cell phones and they still called it the chair store how many people would that screw up they'd walk in there and be like hey owner slash manager I was just wondering, where are all your chairs? And they'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. This is a cell phone store. And then the people would just be dumbfounded. They'd be, but your name is Chair Store. That's the name of your store. And then they're just like, I know, but we sell cell phones. Nobody. All right. Okay, well, 
Got one more for you. See if I this can knock you out of the park, so to speak. All right. The other day, I was about to go to sleep. I was really tired because I stayed up a lot last night. The other day, and I was with my friend Bob, and he was just like, "Hey, Nolan," because that's my name. And he's like, "Hey, Nolan, what's going on?" He's. I was like, oh, "I'm doing good." And he's just like. So, you know when you're riding your bike? They're like, yeah. What, what about it? He's like, you know when you're about to think about plane crashing? What if you fell down right when you thought that? And I said, okay, Bob. That never happens to me because I'm really good at bicycling. Because I bicycle a lot. And I'm really good at bicycling. So anyways, the other day, Bob says that. And then I, I reply, I don't fall. I mean, I, I never fall on my bike. You know, because I'm good at riding my bike. Nobody. All right. Um, thanks. Thanks a lot for coming out to my show. Um, you can get my album um, in stores now. And, um, yeah, the other day. Okay, uh, Nolan Rodriguez, everyone. Yeah, he's a person. It began in Africa.
stalked by strange creatures, creatures that are half man and half beast. Now, the island of Dr. Moreau, starring Burt Lancaster as the evil genius who creates new life forms. Michael York as the shipwrecked sailor who becomes his ultimate experiment. Don't miss the island of Dr. Moreau. Certificate A, now at the Rialto and from Sunday at selected key cinemas in London. Temple Pilots, Smashing Pumpkins. Tonight, tonight. Everything else is history. Toronto's U Rock 102.1, The Edge. Discover it. <laughs> 